Welcome to the Big Playback. DJ Kala. Welcome back for part four of the series For the Record. So far we've looked at archives and music from the collectors who create them, the scholars that study them, and the record labels that bring them to new ears. Today we're thinking about how musicians themselves can find contemporary ways of working with archival material, breathing new life into old stories. An interesting one is Italian DJ, producer, and radio personality Raffaele Constantino, a.k.a. Calab, who's found a variety of ways of doing this in recent years. In 2018, he released Black Noise 2084 with On the Corner Records, the result of extensive research into the field recordings of the Royal Museum for Central Africa in Brussels. Initially offered the gig as part of a remix compilation using the recordings, he declined, preferring to spend two years soaking up the sounds and instrumentation and researching the cultures they came from, before creating a musical document of his own. The album is a critically acclaimed collection of tracks collaboratively created with a string of contemporary musicians, exploring the theme of the inevitable blackness of music, a vision he proposes will crystallize in the near future. We caught up with Collab for a couple of chats. You'll recognize the ones in the studio by the beats in the background. He shared some interesting thoughts on what the real job of the DJ is, and how this recent approach of blending field recordings with layers of collaboration was simply an extension of the act of mixing. One night I was playing in Brussels and there was this guy who is a researcher and a radio presenter who loves music and he had these records with field recordings from the archives and he came to the event with a bag of records asking me if I was interested in participating in a, yeah, a collaborative project to remix these materials. And uh, I said that I wasn't, I wasn't interested in working on a remix compilation, but that I was very, very interested in working on a specific project with that material. And he, he liked that. And he liked that idea and he gave me the rest of it. And there were also some amazing books that I could use to do deeper research on the history of those of those people and of on their culture, the, the state of art and and the time in, in those places during colonialism, you know. And how did you use them? What did that process look like? And I guess also, what did you feel was your relationship to that material? Recordings that were maybe so old in some cases or, you know, maybe where you couldn't even find out that much information about who made them. What happened when you started digging into that stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, clearly it was a really delicate process because you were working with material that was recorded during one of the worst periods of human history, which is colonialism. On the other hand, I imagined working with those who recorded all this material who were driven by scientific anthropological interests. So trying to separate the two situations, the political from the artistic and cultural, even if it's not easy at all, but with the ultimate aim of divulging other people's culture, especially the cultures of people who have suffered because of us, Westerners, and uh, specifically as Europeans, so trying to give something back 
with projects such as this. I think this is also the aim of the Royal Museum of Brussels. After all, how can we be open to other societies and cultures and towards people who travel here if we are not aware of the fact that their culture and in our case their music can be really blended not only in our traditions but also in our contemporaneity. This was the objective of Black Noise to create a blend between traditional African music and contemporary European music working towards a blended future. After thinking about the conceptual side, I started working to find the right samples, editing these files, and at that point, after two years of working on both factual and musical research, I finally shut myself in the studio for a very long improvisation session, where, gripped by a sort of trance for the whole night, I brought together these samples with part of my standard instrumentation I used to define the Calb sound. Uh, after this long session, also with a little chemical help, let's say, I finally understood, definitely, black noise. Black noise is a sound that comes out of the darkness, trance, and uh, repetitivity. You know, I noticed that at some point you were working under the name DJ Kalab and then eventually switched to just Kalab. What does DJ mean, actually, for you? Like, how do you see yourself? Initially, the project was born as a DJ color because for me, the DJ isn't someone who entertains others at a pie, but is a researcher, an archaeologist, someone who spends their days researching and listening to music to then transmit it to others with a more scientific approach and uh, an aim to disseminate rather than just entertain. But, but then as time passed, I realized that the title of DJ could be misunderstood by people who in many cases continue to have this idea of the DJs as a party animal who just wants to have and create fun, you know? Since my records have always been quite delicate in, in terms of their message and not very light from an artistic, conceptual uh, point of view. So I decided to call myself Calab for my artistic projects, but to leave the DJ title for when I'm actually playing in clubs or festivals as a DJ, I mean. Did doing this work with the archive change your thoughts at all on DJ culture? Um, no, no. Actually, I think this type of work is part of the DJ culture and comes from it. I think that my projects are possible, especially because of this ability to synthesize, thanks to my experience as a DJ, of working with different people's music and mixing them so uh, that they b become something else. Clearly, here we are at the next level where other people's music unites with mine to create a totally new flow. Uh, then I had other musicians play, African, English, of Caribbean descent, exactly with the aim of evolving this concept of mixing. Shabaka Hutchings and Moses Boyd playing Black Noise because for me they perfectly represent this evolutionary mix. With Caribbean roots, a passion for African-American music, and who have also grown up with club culture. So they are children of a future society.
2021 saw the release of Imbera Ensemble on Real World Records, another one-off collaboration with musicians living in a refugee camp on the border between Mali and Mauritania. Hosted by the Italian humanitarian organization Intersos, who worked to support victims of natural disaster and armed conflict, Collab traveled to Imbera with a two-pronged agenda. First, to meet and record the musicians living there and tell their story. And second, if the magic happened, to just play together. Okay, so the follow-up to Black Noise was this incredible album, Imbera Ensemble. So what was the story there, and how did you work uh, once you arrived? Um, the project was born thanks to my friendship with Giovanni Visone, who is the head of communications at Intersos, an Italian NGO, and with whom I've already worked on various projects as a musical consultant. One night at dinner, Giovanni told me about this humanitarian project they were following in uh, Mauritania on the border with Mali in a refugee camp in the desert, which is home to a community of Tuareg musicians. Intersos also them in a cultural center created especially for them, a place where their cultural as well as their human dignity uh, were recognized. At the beginning, the idea was just to go and meet them and tell their story through my work as a musical disseminator in Italy. But once we got there, we realized there was really a lot of musical material to work with. And so we asked them what they thought of working together on a musical project. So we started recording music together. And the next day, I started asking if they could tell me their stories and asking them to play their instruments one at a time. Once I returned to Italy, I work on the material with the same approach I had for Black Noise. Yeah, also for the artwork, that's something that I noticed on this album with single portraits of all of the musicians themselves and images of the place where the recordings happened. And then one sort of almost incidental photo of yourself at the very back. It was just really clear there were a lot of conscious choices to present this work as being not about you. Um, yeah, the, the photos in the booklet uh, were taken by Jean-Marc Caimi, who is an Italian-French photographer, who came with me and created this beautiful reportage. And the idea behind the book that comes with the record is simply to represent the truth. While the musical part is an artistic project where there is no need to uh, represent anything, the book instead is meant to tell their story. But it talks about them and their life in the camp, of how they got there, how they live. So two different mediums to illustrate two different approaches. One artistic and the other is documentary. As far as I'm concerned, art has to be honest, but it doesn't have to represent the, the truth. According to Collab, the magic did indeed happen after just two days. Being a musician himself meant that he came to the project with a very different type of agenda. 
and that made all the difference. A bit like Vic Sahoni's message of finding a two-way street for a working relationship, they combined the goals of documenting the Embera experience while collaborating creatively, just one musician to another. The physical result is a beautiful album, complete with an extensive book of glossy portraits of all of the musicians involved, and detailed accounts of their stories there. Of course, representation is important to all artists, regardless of their life circumstances, and it's a question that's bound to come up one way or another in collective music making. I never saw this project as an anthropological one, but as a simple artistic project in which I am making music with other musicians. And I, I think that now is the right time to have this kind of approach. We are just musicians making music together, uh, contributing uh, equally. This is why it was important for me to create a true collective and credit the name of the project to the collective. My idea at the beginning was just to sign the record as Umbera Ensemble, but then my team and that uh, Intersos, as well as the label, convinced me that using my name to present the record will also help them to have more visibility and more exposure. But clearly, it's a communal project in which no one has more value than the other. Yes, so that's why it was very important to know that I was a musician, just a musician or producer. I mean, someone that works with music and not uh, something from politics, uh, from activism, you know. And I remember, because it's a very important representation for those people, because I remember the first problem was and how we can call the band. <laughs> because we are all together. <laughs> because there is not the Marahan uh, de Tibuktu or the refugee of Bamako, the other name of the band, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, guys, it's not a problem. We can we can think about this later. Don't worry. But the day after, the question was the same. The day after, again, we need to find the name. And my idea was, we are ensemble. We are Mbera ensemble. Because it's very important for me that people can understand the story here. Mm-hmm. What about Merra? If I mean, that's why I'm here. I'm here to tell your story to the world. Adriano Viterbini is a friend of mine. He works with so many musicians from there. He played with Bombino. And you can hear the difference. What guitars comes from Adriano and which other guitars comes from the Twilight guys? Possible to understand. Wow. And he also asked me uh, why the reason are notes that explain where I played the guitar. You know, like credits, no? Uh, Adriano Viterbini plays guitar on tracks one, two, or four. You know? Okay, right. And let's say, listen, because this is an, ex- this is an ensemble. Mm-hmm. Always, we are always in all tracks. Also, if Mohamed I played just one drum mm-hmm. in the track for me is in all tracks because he was there with us. He was all together. That's a tough one for a lot of people. A lot of artists in particular, they really want to put their name on stuff. Yeah, know. also because I think it's not easy for an artist to, uh, for the first time of your career, if you are an artist, mm-hmm. it's very hard to find some other gratifications from your work, from your works. It's just your name. It's just your ego. And then you can, with with the age, you know, with the knowledge, is absolutely not important no more. 
Caleb's most recent project, released just this month on his own hyperjazz label, is still another type of archival intervention. This time with the catalogue of Milan's legendary twin jazz labels, Black Saint and Soul Note, which saw some of the most compelling international jazz releases of the 70s and 80s. It's yet another example of Caleb's nuanced approach to re-examining foundational music, and it's available only on vinyl. That is, if you can still find a copy. If a record tells a story from another time, then each new listen is a conversation with that moment, but in the context of today. I had to think again of the recordings of prisoners of war Melet Yomomo described in part two, made by the Royal Prussian Phonographic Commission to document the peoples of the world. And the fact that they happened to be prisoners of war was a minor detail, no more a part of the story than the circumstances under which they got there. While I could hardly believe that story hearing it the first time, I thought of it next to the image of Kalab, traveling to meet the victims of war in Mali and Mauritania, recording their music in order to tell their story, and engaging in that most human level of joy, playing music together, in his own way, attempting to nudge the needle forward on how we can relate through sound. And I have to say, it cheered me. That was it for episode three, for the record. Thank you for listening, and most of all, thank you to all of our guests for this series. To the folks at Iramanu Santara for teaching us about Indonesian music and the struggle to play rock and roll when it was taboo. To Mele Imomo for sharing a glimpse of historical record from both sides of the story. To Vic Sahoni at Ostinato for laying out a plan to challenge Western media through music. And to Kalab for sharing his musical explorations through time and space. Till next time on The Big Playback. Maybe I'm going to go to the next one. Maybe I'm going to go to the next one. Maybe I'm going to go to the next one. Maybe I'm going to go to the next one.